Great guy on purpose. Really? I don't, I don't really know what to do with that. Um, our kids have normal names, in case anybody's interested, but um, they do. Oh, how fun to be here. Um, I'm just always happy to come back um, and be with you. Intros are always kind of a weird thing to me. Like, I don't know if you want to call them like an intro bio or, or whatever. Um, and one of the reasons, sorry, I get myself situated here. One of the reasons that they're odd to me is they usually list, um, let's say like accomplishments or roles or, you know, this kind of thing. Um, and what I would really say to you if, if I was to introduce myself to you is, my name is Gay and I'm a sinner. And I was saved 50 years ago, September 2nd, 1972. I hope you have a date. I only know because I wrote it in my Bible when I was nine. Um, and I'm being sanctified. That's who I am. Um, the context of my life, and Don talked about it a little bit, um, I'm a wife and a mother. I was gonna say, and even more importantly, I shouldn't say that, a grandmother. <laughs> Um, but that's a gift. Those three roles are a gift. But I'm also a believer as part of the body of Christ. And um, that has, God has gifted me uniquely, like he's gifted you, to serve. And she mentioned some of the, the places that you can find me. Um, I love leading in community group. Uh, shout out to my steadfast gals. I don't know where you are. Yes, a few of you here. Um, but then I also, she mentioned ministering to women who are married to unbelievers. They are some of the most remarkable women in our midst, um, a bit marginalized. But uh, if you get a chance to speak with them, they love Jesus. And then I do, I am at a high school um, at, uh, at Linfield Christian for the past 35 years. And uh, not at Linfield, but in Christian education. Been at Linfield for about, it's my 17th year. I go there on purpose every day. Um, and my role, people say, oh, I can't believe you do that. And I say, I can't believe I get to do that. And I get to invest. I get to speak into the lives of the next generation. Um, many would say, oh, I'm here to get a diploma. I would counter with, yeah, I don't really care if you get a diploma. I really just want you to know Jesus. And I want you to grow up and become somebody who accomplishes what God has for you. And so that's why I do what I do. Um, some days are easier than others. Some days are more overwhelming than others. Um, so the reason I, I take a minute to say that is because we're going to be talking about this kind of mystery of a quiet time. And sometimes I think that we struggle with this idea that we are, um, that we're, look, back up, we're not the total, the sum total of what we do. I think sometimes it's like, hi, how are you? My name is so-and-so. What do you do? Just this is the weirdest statement to me. Right? Because we're not the sum total. We do what we do because of who we are in Christ. And it's, it's easy, I think, especially in this season for you all to get stuck in the activity of life. Life is very busy. I wish I could tell you it slows down. It, it really doesn't, but it will change, right? Um, but I think the most important thing is to focus on knowing and serving and glorifying Christ. And so he's the one who created us. So we are going to focus today on this topic, which I hope will be an encouragement. It was a blessing for me to think it through and to share with you. And so this year, I'm told, 
by the powers that be back there that you're going to be doing kind of a, and I think Don kind of referred to it like a boot camp. It sounds awesome. And um, Betsy's way more fun than me, so I can't wait for you to hear from her. Um, but this, this topic today that we're going to talk about that we're going to start with, I think is excellently placed because it's a little deceptive. It's a little tricky in terms of when you put the word quiet in front of anything when you have young children, right? Um, but here's, here's the thing. You've really got a battle to think rightly about it. And so if you find yourself, you're, you may be here on one or two ends of the spectrum. Like, oh, gay, I'm good. I got it. Awesome. And then you're over here going, Ugh, like, yeah, I just don't do that. Right? Like, I'm just not wired that way. They're equally lies. I would tell you, I'm somewhere here in the middle still trying to figure it out. And you'll hear that as I share with you today. So both of those things can be dangerous. Um, I'm not really sure exactly why I was asked to talk on this. I never got a chance to ask on that. But um, it's super personal to me. I will try not to cry. My husband said, good luck, don't cry. Um, but it's super, super personal to me, and I hope you'll get that as we, as we go through this morning. But one of my favorite, favorite, favorite things to do is something that you are getting to do today, which is sit and talk with older, godly women. And let me tell you this. Here's what I've learned. You show me a godly woman, of which there are many in this room, and I will guarantee 100%. Like, where do you get 100% guarantee? I would guarantee you that you will find a journey of consistent, intimate time with Jesus. You cannot have the outer without the inner, and that's what we're going to talk about. Um, they're linked together. Does that make sense? They are. You cannot, you cannot separate them. And here's the thing about investing in your inner life, especially. Um, it's going to inform how you parent. It will inform your marriage, how you do marriage, how you do friendship. It's going to inform everything about your life. So, and I'm not trying to make it like overly dramatic as much as I'm just trying to give you a little bit of insight into the importance of this particular um, discipline that we're going to talk about today. And so here's... I'm kind of a fan of short statements. Um, you'll hear several of them today. There's no short, there are no shortcuts to Christ-likeness. You can take it to the bank. There are no shortcuts. All right, so let's, let me pray for us, and then we'll get going. God, thank you for your patience and your grace in our life. Um, as I look out and I think about where I was as a young mom, um, and somehow my children grew up, and I'm grateful that they love you, they know you, they serve you. And now they are raising up the next generation. And God, um, you are faithful. You alone are faithful. So thank you for these women. Thank you for this ministry. Um, God, may we never take for granted. Um, thank you for this church that's allowing us to meet here. But God, go before us as we think through what it means to spend time with you on a regular basis. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, you have this outline because I have, if, you've, if you ever sit next to me in church, um, I write in a lot of colors and I highlight a lot. And that's just how I learn. So I tend to kind of teach the same way. Uh, I am actually a teacher um, who sort of got roped into being a vice principal. <clears throat> so I tend to kind of think like a teacher. So I've given you some notes um, and then, oh wait, it's not here. There's no PowerPoint. Um, so, that's okay. <clears throat> We're going to just go with it. 
So your mentor moms actually have, hopefully, a picture of kind of the answer. So here's the deal. I just wanted this little disclaimer for all you overachiever moms. <laughs> Hannah Euler. Um, so <clears throat> if you miss a blank, like I'm going to do my best to kind of shout it out to you, but if you miss it, just move on. It's okay. They'll, they'll, catch, they'll catch you up. But my, my, you guys, here's my hope. My hope is when you leave, you take this with you, and then you take some time to sit with it and kind of go back through. That would be my encouragement to you. So... Um, that's why there are notes. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do the who, the why, and the how. So that's going to be our kind of our outline. You know, who we're meeting with, why we're meeting with, and how we're meeting with. And of course, we're talking about communion with God. So on your first outline, everybody gets an A. The first word is communion. Communion with God. This is the who. All right, now here's the thing. You guys, life is a series of seasons. So I just, I, I feel like I'm giving like 27 disclaimers before I talk about it. Um, you know this, right? Because you once were carefree and single. You could go to the bathroom by yourself without someone following you, right? You could sleep all night. Um, now you're responsible for a family. And so a newborn can need a different level of care than a two and a half year old. I can't believe Remy is two and a half. Or a five year old. Um, don't expect your time with the Lord to look the same in every season. So again, that's just tuck that away. Yours is going to look unique. All right. It's going to look unique in this season. And I love, love, love that God is dynamic and God is ever changing how he interacts with us. When I, when I say that God doesn't change, but God God works with us as we change, as he is changing, as he is changing us. And one of the common mistakes we make um, in anything that has to do with um, a habit or a pattern, especially spiritually, is we are inclined to do things backwards. Because I know some of you are sitting there going, I just hope she gets to the how. Like what, like, I just give me a list. I just need a list. What do I need to do? Right? But that's backwards. And so I want to challenge you to think, even as I was talking about the things that describe me, like who I am, um, I'm not a checklist. God is not a checklist. God, meeting with God is not a checklist. All right? So the how is going to come. But I really believe if we somehow kept tucked in the back of our mind the heart of Mary and Martha, if we just kept that idea from Luke 10 of like, okay, I need to slow down and spend time with Jesus. And so that's really what we're gonna talk about. Um, and, and having devotions, and maybe you've struggled with this in the past, but having devotions, um, it doesn't make you any more spiritual. Like it's not a, it's not like you don't like jump through all these hoops and all of a sudden you're more spiritual. Um, because if you remember, there's a group in the Bible, Jesus, God is very clear about this. There's a group in the Bible that they were super big on rituals. Anybody know who they were? The Pharisees. So if you want to be a Pharisee, um, then focus on that. And I, you know, again, I just, I just want to encourage you because we are a, we are a get it done kind of, we have a get it done kind of mentality. Um, it's not a good luck charm. It doesn't make our day better. Um, it's just time with, with the Lord. So um, when you think of having a quiet time, what comes to your mind? So just give me, we're just going to do a quick little shout out. Remember, I'm a teacher and I'll call on you. So what are some things when you think about having a quiet time? 
What are some things that you think about? Yeah. Early morning, okay, you don't even have to raise your hand. We're all adults, go. What? Coffee. <laughs> I've known Tani since she was like, I don't know, five, so if you need any dirt on her. Okay, what else? <laughs> what? Collaborating and fairness. Okay, yeah, collaborating. Say again. Disruptions. Mm. Okay, right? So different ends of the spectrum, right? For sure. Um, and so I'm going to give you, I think on your, oh, hmm, maybe it's not on your notes. Um, it's because it's on PowerPoint. Um, or maybe it is. Do you guys have a definition? Do I give it to you on there? A daily quiet time is simply, yes. Okay. Um, a prioritized collection of minutes where we quietly bend our knee in his presence and worship him. Now there's some words there, right? Mm, quiet, mm, daily. Mm. Okay. So we're going to talk about all of those. Um, but the thing that I want to encourage you as we move on to talk about who we're going to meet with, um, our quiet time, it's not about us. It's not about us. You're not doing God a favor by showing up. I know, which is kind of funny, but I know it makes me laugh too, because I think sometimes we're like, oh, I am awesome. I'm at quiet time today, right? Um, this is my goal today, and I'm just going to read it to you, and I want you just to listen for what you hear to challenge you to consider, challenge me to consider what it means to prioritize every day of life God gives us with a heart and a mind that is oriented to his splendor, his majesty, and his mercies that he reveals to us every day. We have to reorient our heart daily. Sanctification isn't a destination. It's a process that starts over every day until we meet Jesus on the other side. What's the key word that you heard? Do I need to read it again? Okay. Um, orienting every day. Every day. You know? Um, I struggle with distractions. So I wake up solving problems. Um, you need to pray for your school administrators. Um, it's just a tough time to be in school. Um, but... Honestly, what I need to be doing is praying more. I said to Michelle last night, oh, this is Michelle Weaver. I right at the top of my notes, introduced Michelle. I did not do it. Um, so Michelle and I were, um, so Michelle works for me. You can pray for her. She has to be with me every day. Um, so she said, oh, okay, well, I'll see, you, I'll see you on this morning. And so, and I said, oh no, I'll see you in a couple hours because last night we were chatting on Zoom with 25 Chinese families. So, um, She's awesome. So if you do not know her, get to know her. Um, but I was telling, we were texting and we were talking about just saying, oh, we need to pray for our kids. You know what? When, when things just get, go run amok, just pray. That is, what, that is what we need to do. But here's the thing. I struggle with prayer in my own life, but you know what? Jesus still loves me. Right? I don't get graded on my quiet time. And so, and I'm, I'm kind of laying this foundation, you guys, and then we're going to go into just some really practical stuff. But I want you to understand, um, your quiet time is less about you and more about Jesus. You just get the benefit of meeting with God. All right? All right. Back to the outline. The who, communion with God. So the goal for us is to know God. And I think this is really important because I think sometimes we think the goal is many other things. Um, maybe just to survive the day. I don't know. Well, there's just different reasons 
that we meet with God. But our goal is to know him, not just to know about him. Another thing that I love about time with the Lord is it doesn't depend on anything else. Have you ever thought about this? It doesn't depend on your marital status. It doesn't depend on your theological IQ. It doesn't depend on if you like to read and you read the right books. It depends on you meeting with God. And I think sometimes we often hear about, oh, I can't wait to be with God. We're going to go away for the weekend and we're going to go out in creation. And I get that. I get that where we're confronted with our smallness and we see God's bigness. But do you know what? Every morning at a very early hour, I get up and do you know where God is? He's right in the corner of my family room at my desk with me. I don't have to wait until I go out into creation. The same is true um, for you. We don't need to go find him. He's there waiting for us. And if you're sitting here this morning as so many of you that I don't know, um, and you're not even sure, I'm not, I don't even know if I want to meet with God. If that's just not something, if you, it just in terms of where your heart is inclined, I would encourage you keep talking to the people at your table and figuring out what's the big deal. Why is this lady up there talking about getting up and meeting with God? I would encourage you because that's the one thing that we're going to talk about. So our goal is to know God. And you know what the one thing is? The presence of Jesus. The presence of Jesus. And we see this numerous places in scripture. Um, Psalm 27, David says, one thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing. And that's the confidence that he has in the presence of the Lord. And then Mary, Luke 10, 42, right? Mary understands the one thing. Um, I always kind of feel bad for Martha, but anyway, that's a different topic. But um, Mary's figured out the one thing, right? What's the one thing? What is Mary known for? When you think about in that passage in Luke 10, what is she known for? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. So if only one thing could be said of you at the end of your life, what would you want it to be? What would you want your children to say is the one thing? It's a sobering question. And here's the deal. If we miss the who, we miss the point. And so I just want to encourage you to just dwell on that um, as you think about some of these things we're going to talk about. All right, the why, which is kind of the second piece of this. And it kind of assumes that we have the who in the right spot. So the why, this is the inner life and the outer walk. These are the two pieces of what God does in our life and how it, how it then manifests itself. So here's some, here's some ideas for motivations. Um, the first one is, why, so why? Why am I going to meet with God? One is to deal with my daily ongoing battle with sin. I don't know if anybody ever goes a day without sinning kind of really don't think so. Um, if you think you do, just ask someone, probably. But here's the thing. Here's the cool thing, though, about walking with Christ. My position is eternally secure, right? So I'm not judged on my performance. Um, I've been declared righteous. Christ took all of my unrighteousness on himself. 
but I do have a daily need for confession and repentance. That's your blank, confession and repentance. All right, Psalm 139 talks about that. Search my heart, O God. A Christ follower submits to God's correction and direction. And you can't know what the correction is unless you're sitting and listening to him. All right, the second one, daily correction of my thinking. What does that mean? And if you've known me very long, I talk about right thinking all the time. Right thinking about God, about myself, about others. Um, when, we, when we think about thinking rightly, is there a verse that pops to your mind? Philippians 4, 8, right? Set your mind on these things. Okay, Psalm 119. So <clears throat> as we set our mind correctly on God, we, I, I think sometimes we think that God is hiding from us what pleases him. He's not. He has made it very clear what pleases him. But we cannot live a life that's pleasing to God unless, while we are thinking wrongly about him. So if you're struggling to think rightly about God, that is something you've got to address. And just get around an older woman who can listen to you and who's going to say, mm, yeah, mm, this is off. All right? All right, number three. Daily restoration. Okay, so confession and repentance thinking, and then this daily restoration. Our souls need to be refreshed daily. Yes and amen. I always think of Tawny when I say that. Yes and amen. Um, I just, lamentations, we all know that. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. You know what? I was meditating on that passage. I have to share with you something fun. This came out of my quiet time the other day. Um, I was just looking at the context, and um, I'm reading the Bible through as a narrative, and um, I don't think we often look back at the context of a passage. So we think about verses 22 and 23. Well, guess what's going on in Lamentations? All kinds of terrible things. The destruction of Zion. It is not a good and happy time. Hence why it's called Lamentations, right? Here's verse 21. This is the verse right before those two that are so happy and warm and fuzzy. He says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. In what? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. I think we forget, like, oh yeah, these verses are connected. Like, there's stuff going on. All right? We spend our lives pouring out. I don't think I really need to tell you that in this room. So we have to get refreshed. We have to get refilled. God has set that up. We call it the Sabbath. Oh, that is a really good idea. It's a whole other topic, one of my favorite things to talk about because I think it's so overlooked in our eight-day society that we have right now. Why do you go on vacation? Why do we need to go to church every week? Has anybody missed a few weeks of church for different reasons and you come back and you're like, <gasps> right? You just come back like, I've got to come back to church. Why? Because you need to be refreshed. So we come back to his presence. What does that look like to run on fumes? I wrote that down at the bottom of my notes. I should ask you guys, what does that look like? Anybody experience that? What are some things? Give me real quick. What are some things that you, idea, phrases, words that come to your mind when you're thinking about running on fumes? Yeah. Say it again. Quick to anger. Exhaustion. Just react. What else? 
irritable, annoying, emotional, yeah, all those awesome, they, that's a really awesome thing to run on fumes, it sounds like, right? <laughs> but here's the thing, when we are running on fumes, we are more vulnerable to temptation and compromise. We are more vulnerable. And so I put a little note at the bottom, I don't know, on the little blank there, a lack of continual refreshment and restoration from time of Jesus can be a very dangerous way to live. Not difficult, not challenging, dangerous. Compromise, temptation is dangerous. Psalm 23, right? What are we promised? We're promised that God's gonna restore our souls. We are assured of that benefit when we meet with God. Have you ever thought about the fact that in Psalm 23, when you picture the sheep in Psalm 23, like what are the sheep doing? Are the sheep running to be restored? You cannot run and be restored. You have to rest and be quiet. All right, daily confession, correcting your thinking, restoration, number four, seems like a good idea, instruction through God's word. Um, and I, I, these are not necessarily in an order per se, but I think it's important to think and to approach God and then to go to his word. And we're going to talk about the how in a minute. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Two questions for you. Well, I have lots of questions for you, but these two. Do you believe that God's word or truth is accessible to you? Do you believe you can understand what he says? All right, listen, if you don't remember anything else that I say, I want to say this to you. You can know God through his word. There's no magic. You don't need to go to TC. Oh, that's a good thing. Well, you can't go anyway, but you don't need to go. You don't need to go to Bible college. You don't. You can know God's word is accessible to you. You know why? Because the spirit of God lives in you if you're a Christ follower. Psalm 25, this is a, I don't know if I wrote this verse down or not. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Who does he teach? He teaches, he leads the humble, those who seek him. So do, do you approach every day with anticipation, with humility, with a teachable heart before the Lord? And God desires to be known by us. Um, I'm always kind of a good news, bad news person. So here's the, the, if there's a piece of motivation that you need, this is sort of the bad news, is every day, today, today, September 17th, when you got up, the reality is there is an enemy right here that wants to destroy you. That is the reality we live in. Probably not as difficult to convince people nowadays, I think, sometimes, but... I think we, we just, it's not, we don't see it necessarily. We have an enemy that wants to destroy us, right? First Peter 5, 8, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Every day, newsflash, the enemy does not take weekends off. And I say that very seriously to you. We live in a battle against principalities and powers, there's lots of scripture for you to look up on that. But the battle is for you, for your soul, and for the souls of your children. The enemy 
is after you and after them. So are we aware of that? Are we prepared? That's kind of what we're talking about. All right, so that's the inner life, the outer life. Talking about the outer walk and intimacy. The evidence is intimacy with Christ. What should an inner life look like in an outer walk? And this is a good, I'm kind of a, I'm sort of an evaluative person. Like, oh, is this working? So I want you to think about that in your life. Is my inner life being lived out and seen and manifest in my outer walk? All right, so I'm going to give you four things real quick. Um, what does an outer life look like that's where the inner life is, is where it needs to be? It's a life lived in submission to his will, willing to do what pleases God. That's a little countercultural because pretty much we want to do what pleases us. Elizabeth Elliot, we're going to be neighbors in heaven. Um, she says it this way, not what I will, but what, what, but what you will, if it pleases you, it pleases me. If it pleases you, it pleases me. That's a good right inside your Bible thing to write. So what's the key? Knowing what pleases God. The key is knowing what pleases God. So we have a life lived in submission, a life with clarity of direction, Proverbs 3, 5, 5, and 6 talks about trusting the Lord and he's going to direct us. He'll make our paths straight. It doesn't say easy. It doesn't say perfect. We live in a fallen world. But as we learn to listen to God and how he speaks, and we learn how to inquire of God and learn about him laying our requests down, that is where we begin to know what pleases him. Somebody said, not me, but I love this quote, it's less about what we know and more about what we do with what we know. We probably know all we need to know about walking with Jesus. Confess your sin. Put God first. Right? So when you just say, oh, I just wish I could hear from the Lord, what are you doing with what he has already told you? Right? Those are some questions for us. Submission to his will, clarity of direction. The third one there, the power of prayer. And we'll talk more specifically in just a minute about that. But personal needs and interceding for others. Those are two main categories of prayer in our time with the Lord. I immediately, of course, thought of Terry Schleiger. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Terry, you're not completing my song. All because we do not care. Yeah. I love him, so I'll talk about that in a minute. All right, so the last one, transformation. So submission to his will, direction, the power of prayer, and then transformation. Here's the thing. You should be different because you walk with Jesus. People should look at you. A new mommy should look at you like, how are you? Mm, you're different than I am. As we linger in his presence, we are transformed into his likeness. Don't expect to become like Jesus and never sit in his presence. We become like those we spend time with. If you don't like how you are in certain areas, figure out who you're spending time with. Nancy Lee DeMoss Walgamuth is a name. She said, fix my eyes on the one whose image I wish to bear. Anything she speaks, anything she's written, any podcast you can listen to, a lot of these principles actually come out of several of those things. 
fix my eyes on the one whose image I wish to bear. So put it another way, remember good news, bad news. The bad news, if those who know you well are surprised that you claim Christ, that should alarm you. And I say this in all sincerity. Oh, I didn't know you were a Christian. That, that, should, that, should, you should, that should take your breath away if you've spent more than two minutes with somebody. All right, the how. And you're like, finally, she's going to get to the how. All right. Here's the thing. If you don't know the who and the why, your how is probably not going to be very good. All right. This is your unique way of meeting with the Lord. This is your unique way. There's no right way. There's no report card. There's not. But there are some components, and I'm just going to give you a few of these. You can do with them what you want and, um, yeah, talk amongst yourselves as well. So I have been meeting with Jesus for about 45 years. I was kind of calculating back. And my rhythms and my patterns and all of that have continued to just kind of change. Some things kind of flip back, whatever. Um, so what are some of the things that maybe could be included, should be included in what we're going to call kind of a successful quiet time? Here's the first one. It's every day. That's, there's seven of those in a week, which maybe might surprise you. You may be like, yeah, I'm good, four out of seven. Like, where's the enemy in the other three? Winning the battle, all right? Every day. All right, so number one, choose to prioritize the win, W-H-E-N, the win. Mark 135, Jesus rose early in the morning. And I know you're like, I knew it. She was going to talk about getting up early. But I'm not a morning person. Um, I think actually that's less the issue. I really think the point is this. You will get up early when you consider something to be important. Let me give you some examples. You need to catch a flight. Are you able to get up? We want to be first in line at Disneyland. Get in the car at 2 a.m. <laughs> I want the kids to sleep on the drive for vacation. We're going to leave at 3. Guess what? When it's really important to you, magically you become a morning person. I think it's a lie from the pit of hell. Do I think we have our circadian rhythm? Yes. Do I think we can train ourselves to prioritize? Yes. Maybe the question is, what things do we love too little? What things do we love too little? Elizabeth Elliot, I just feel like anything is a success as long as you can code Elizabeth Elliot. She says this, my primary obstacle I face is myself, my laziness, my preoccupations, my worries, my lack of concentration. I must deal with these in the strength of the Lord, but I am not responsible, but I'm responsible to do what I am meant to do. He will help me, but he will not physically move me to the quiet place or to my knees. And I want you to think about your season, and I know this will be part of the discussion this morning about creating a rhythm that's going to allow you to prioritize God in your day. All of you have different, you know, different seasons, different rhythms in your life. Oh, don't you love that? It makes me so happy. 
The season with young children, I think sometimes we see it as an interruption. Oh, I can't wait until. You know what? God's just going to sanctify you, right? So young kids are not an interruption. They're opportunities. They're opportunities for us to depend on Jesus. <clears throat> young moms, if you get, especially if you get to stay home, you have this all-day invitation, right? Bible open, worship music on. You get to decide what fills the airways of your home. When do you review what the kids learn at church? We have an unbelievable commitment to our children. So if you're not asking your kiddos, and I mean your little people, if you're not asking them what they're learning, you're missing out on a, on a teaching opportunity. <clears throat> but we live all of our minutes. Have you guys ever thought of this? We live all of our minutes every day on purpose, and you do what we do for a reason. So if you're struggling with some, with some habits and some, some routines in your life, I want you to ask yourself that question. So here's a couple. What are your non-negotiables? <clears throat> you don't have time to meet with Jesus. Skip a meal. Isn't that interesting? Like we do figure out a way to eat. And I just use that as a very, very easy example. We feed our families. Maybe we exercise. Um... Maybe we check our social media. So maybe the question should be, what are your usuals? I usually, however you would answer that question, I usually call a friend. I usually spend time online, whatever it is. All right, the, number, the second one there I'm going to give you is your entry posture. Um, this is a new one for me. Um, it's the pause before you start. I've never done this ever in my life until this year. Um, I'm, I stole it, I think, from maybe from Elizabeth Elliot. I don't know. Um, but creating your own scriptural entry into your quiet time. Mine looks like this. <clears throat> it's very, very high tech. It, this is a three by five card. This is a little thing I printed and I have scotch taped it on. <laughs> That's it. That's what I did. And I'm going to read it to you. It is, Lord, deal generously with your servant. This is my prayer as I enter into my quiet time of the Lord, that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things out of your law. Do not hide your commandments from me. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior. My hope is in you all day long. That which I do not see, teach me. If I have done iniquity, I will do it no more. Those are all direct quotes out of scripture. Um, things that Psalm 119 is a good spot to start if you want to kind of create something like that for yourself. All right, <clears throat> entry posture, starting with a devotional reading. Um, and again, this is something, there's no magic formula, so you don't have to do it in this order. I'm just telling you, these are some ways that I have found to be helpful. Um, this sets my mind on biblical truth. It kind of just gets me settled. Um, I'm a big fan of carefully selecting your devotional reading for the entire year, and I read one devotional for the entire year, start to finish, and I have reasons for that. Uh, you, I pick a topic that I want to study and think on. I'm reading on wisdom this year. Number four, prayer. This is hard for me. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. It is so hard for me to be focused in prayer. I know some people that just do it effortlessly. I hate them. No, not really, but... 
Um, <clears throat> I usually split mine up into two kind of two chunks. One is for specific issues, so things that I'm thinking about, wrestling with, personal stuff. My second is how I'm praying for others. And so um, there's a really great resource called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. Has anybody read it? Yeah. Um, there's a really good resource in the back where he talks about making prayer cards. This is super fancy. You see it. This is very high tech. It's a little ring with three by five cards. Okay. So I have names of people on here. My kids are on here. And I, I just scratch stuff out. I write, I write answers. I get a new card. Like just this is something that I just use to keep me on track. Um, <clears throat> I also take notes when I'm talking to people. I have, I do love people. And I have lots of friends all over the world. And I will talk with them on the phone. And I'm old and I cannot remember what they've said to me. So I actually, as I'm talking to people, and I will even ask you, you'll see me get my phone out, I write things down. And maybe that sounds weird, but I take notes on people. When I'm talking to someone on the phone, I'm taking notes. And that allows me to put important dates on the calendar. <clears throat> Friend of mine is speaking next Tuesday. I write that so that next Tuesday when I sit down to have my quiet time, I know, oh, Danielle is speaking. I pray for Danielle, I text her and I say, I prayed for you this morning, I hope it went well. People think I'm awesome and thoughtful. I'm really not, I just use my calendar. So I say that to you, just, I don't say that to brag, I'm just giving you a practical way to pray for people and then tell them you prayed for them. And not like two weeks later. Oh, how'd that go last month? I prayed for you. Not the same impact as when you pray for them right then. All right, <clears throat> reading God's word. You kind of go, yeah, duh, we need to read God's word. How do you do that? You guys, are so many amazing ways to do that. I'm a fan of a reading plan. This is what my reading plan looks like. It's very fancy, it's two pieces of paper. Um, today I read in Ezra, it's exciting. Um, yeah, this is the Blue Letter Bible. I can explain that to you later. Um, I also love to read as a narrative. Um, I'm using something called the Bible Recap. If you've not heard of that or you're interested, I'm happy to share it with you as well. But here's the thing. Talk to people who are good at it. There are people sitting amongst you who read the Bible faithfully and have great rhythms to do that. So say, hey, I'm not great at this. How do I do it? Um, the Old Testament is awesome. If you read a Bible through chronologically, you will start the New Testament October 1st. And you're like, what? Okay, I read the New Testament all the time. I'm in a great church. We're studying Galatians. I think sometimes we have this weird thing in our mind, like I cannot read Leviticus. You can, and Leviticus is actually awesome. But you need to understand why it fits where it fits in Scripture. All right? So reading the Bible through as a narrative. And here's the thing. You can write this down. If there's anything the enemy wants to keep you from doing, it's reading the Bible. He doesn't care if you come to Moms by Grace. He doesn't. He cares that you don't read his word, that you don't read God's word. All right? So the enemy is going to do whatever he can do. All right. Process truth. This is the application part. Don't panic. This is not like journals, six pages a day. This is just somehow you need to grab the things that you're thinking about. God said this to me. Write it down. A little bullet point. No one's going to read your journal or your whatever when you're gone. And if they do, who cares? Because you're with Jesus. Um, I will usually write some stuff out. And I'm happy to show anyone that wants to see it. Like, it's, it is not fancy. But I will usually go back and read the stuff from the day before 
just to remind me what I, what I was thinking about. Um, anyway, that's helpful. Um, if you're a non-journaler, yeah, phrases, bullet points. My favorite thing is questions. I'm always thinking in questions. All right, the last one, read books. Reading matters. What do I read? Who you read matters. There's a lot of really wacky, wackadoodle stuff out there. And why you read what you read. Never stop learning. I look up a word in my quiet time. I use a dictionary every single day of my life. If you're not doing that, you're missing out. Because there's lots of things you're going to read and you're going to skip right over the word because you don't know what it is. Take a second. I mean, we have phones. It's so easy. You don't have to go get Webster. Does anybody know what that? You guys know what that is? Big, big, big. <laughs> Just checking. All right. So how do you read? Gay, I just don't read. I don't know how to read. Guess how you read. You read one page at a time. One page at a time. That's it. Okay? Um, rotate books. Anyway, I'm happy to talk to you. I'm reading a commentary on Galatians right now. It's fabulous because we're going through it, obviously. Um, talk to people about what to read, what types of topics. Ask your friends. Um, I never go anywhere without a book. If you're going somewhere without a book, and I know it's hard, if you, especially if you have your kids, um, but always have a book with you. You'll be surprised how much you can read. Or read with a friend. Read with a friend, read a book, talk about it. Um, I'm going to guarantee you this, you guys. If you'll read a book with somebody, that conversation you're going to have is going to be far better, far more important than what you just bought on Amazon. Right? We waste a lot of time talking about things that don't matter. Um, probably my favorite thing that I've added this year in my quiet time is hymns. Um, so you know what hymns do? Hymns ground us in the history of our faith. And so if that's not something you're familiar with, again, there's lots of different ideas on how to do that. Um, oh, I have a book here. I'm just going to give it away real quick. This is called Prone to Wander, Prayers of Confession and Celebration. And at the conclusion of every two pages, there's a couple of hymns. Does anybody else want to learn about hymns? Who wants to learn about hymns? Come right here. Ingrid, it's you. You raised your hand first. This is a great book, Found the Wander. All right. I'm going to finish up, and there's lots of things. Scripture memorization, there's all these other things, right, that go into um, things that we can also focus on. But how are you going to measure whether or not your walk with Christ is successful? Um, You will know you're on the right track when the who and the why cause you to make your decisions on keeping your time with him a priority. That's how you're going to know, am I, am I making progress? Am I growing in this area of my life? I take a couple days at the end of the year uh, that I try to just set aside and I just talk to the Lord about what I'm going to think about next year. I'm happy to share that with you if that's something that is intriguing to you. That's where I decide what I'm going to read, you know, whatever. All right, we have some questions. We're going to go through those. I think some of those when we have our, our panel. I'm going to finish up with this. Um, and I want to just leave you with a word of encouragement and maybe admonishment. Beware of the lie that says, when I get through this season, then I'll spend time with God. Here's what you have today. You know what we have today? We have today. That is all we have. God is asking you to do one thing. Steward today. 
at the end of the day, how did you live today? Your family's counting on you. Your kids are counting on you to get it right. Um, this afternoon, I am headed to a memorial for a dear friend of mine. Her name is Teresa. She is, was a dear sister of mine for about 40 years. And as I think about her life, her life was dominated by one thing. She worshiped God. One thing. That's what she did. If, if any of you follow me on social media, I wrote a little post about her. But I think the single biggest thing you can do for your family, for your kids, is to give them an example of what it means to be a faithful woman of God who has as her supreme treasure the adoration of Christ and the truth of his word. When God calls me home, I'm going to get through this without crying. I'm hoping that my kids and now my grandkids will have an image in their mind of me early in the morning, meeting with Jesus, doing the one thing every day of my life. Pray with me. God, thanks for the call that you've placed on our life to meet with you, to spend time with you, to fight for time with you in this very loud and noisy world. And I pray over these women, these new moms, I pray that you would give them a hunger to spend time with you, that you would, you would inspire them to talk to one another, to encourage them how they can set aside time, whether it be in the morning, whether it be in their car, wherever they are, God, to spend time with you every day thinking rightly about you. You are worthy beyond words of our very best efforts. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Kelly's question is, um, when do you have time in the Word, and how have you had to adjust as your kids have grown? So uh, I'm with Miss Bennett, um, early morning girls. It's hard, but don't buy into the lie that you can't do it. It's For me, it's between 5 and 5.30 in the morning, and um, the biggest temptation for me is to hit that snooze button on my phone. So I tend to set like multiple alarms. <laughs> And I love, I was laughing when they texted me to be on the panel because Carol knows. I came back from Hawaii because we just had our 20-year anniversary. It was great. Um, the aloha was flowing right into my daily life. And I, I could not, I was really struggling to get up. It would be like 6.20 and 6.20 doesn't work because that's when I start to hear my kids play in their rooms. And I'm like, oh no. And then you have to choose between a shower or the word. And it's just not, it's not good. It's like mommy's going to stink spiritually or physically. And so... I need to get up. And so it was very, I was going through a few weeks of really struggling and I, so I was like, you know what? I need some accountability. So I texted my mentor moms. Um, you guys, we, this room is full of godly women who have been doing this for decades ahead of us. Um, and Carol's one of them and I love her. My nurturing Carol, I love her so much. I said, Carol, will you please text me every morning? I need to get my habit back at 5 a.m. And I know she's up. So I'm like, I know she, so she texted me for about three weeks. She had to stop because she got sick, and I'm like, oh, it's okay. You don't have to text when you're sick, of course. Um, but it was just enough to sort of kick me in the butt. I needed to get up in the morning and get back in that habit. Um, how have I had to adjust? There's a lot of practical things that I've had to adjust as the number of kids have grown. Um, but I feel like the biggest adjustment for me is my pride and more of a spiritual adjustment. The more kids we've had and the older they get, the more humbly 
I have to, I realize that I desperately need the presence of Jesus. Um, I desperately want to teach my kids what is good, right, and true. And so how can I do that? I need to be in his word. I need to be in his presence. He longs to dwell with us, you guys. We have a God who longs to dwell with us. Leviticus. Miss uh, Bennett encouraged me to read through the Bible, so I got to finally, like, I'm almost 40, and I finally read through the whole book of Leviticus, and oh my gosh, God longs to dwell with his people. It turned out to be one of my favorite books. He longs to dwell with us. Um, practical adjustments when they're tiny, keeping the, all the time, keep your Bible open, keep the word on in the background with hymns or worship songs or slugs and bugs and seeds and all those things. Um, praying as you're nursing, bottle feeding, read then um there were days where i would audio bible it with a stroller on especially sick days when you're just like they've been up since five and they're not napping and um you know putting them in the carrier putting them in the stroller audio bible as you're walking just all the little the little practical things i have a friend who put their kids in the bath because they'll play really well in the bath and she'll open her bible and just sit there and read while her kids are in the bath and just little practical things right while you're trying to work through your own personal disciplines but Early is always good. Early, early. Yeah. That's a great idea. I love the bathtub idea. Yeah. That's great. Yes, yeah, so you can just sit there on the toilet while they're, right? And have your Bible open and they can just be playing in the bathtub. That's great. Um, okay, so this one's for Terry. Terry, when did you realize the importance of a daily time in the Word and prayer? And was there a specific reason for this realization? I'm really old, <laughs> so, and I, I really did have the fortune that, fortunately, I was raised going to church, so I probably had learned from an early age that quiet times were important, but, you know, back then, there were, I would say, probably say I was not saved in high school, but even though I wasn't saved, you know, I was involved in discipleship, and so... I probably read things like, you know, um, that little calendar that would have a little blurb on it and think that was my quiet time or daily the bread. daily bread <laughs> or those guidepost magazines, you know. Um, it wasn't until I was in college and um, again, this was not really, this is, I just had a, an epiphany that this was God's sovereignty in my life that I happened to go to, I went to San Diego State um, and there was some was probably at registration there was some table out there um, and I don't even remember what the draw to the table was but it happened to be Campus Crusade and so um, I got involved with Campus Crusade and so I had a wonderful and she was young she was probably only a couple years ahead of me um, just out of college because that's the way the staff works but I got involved with a small group in Campus Crusade and this young lady really did model what a quiet time was supposed to be and held us accountable for that knowing that and actually doing it consistently um, those are two different things and so as i you know graduated college and got married and had my own children i hate being on panels let me just tell you that because i can just tell you all the things not to do i was not consistent um i didn't um i didn't have a plan um, I would kind of sit down and open my Bible and read a little bit, but I really had no plan at all, and I didn't have a, anyone mentoring me about how to have a regular intake in the Word. Um, and like I said, honestly, there weren't a, probably a lot, not the resources that we all have today. 
Um, so it wasn't until probably one, when I moved here, my kids were in elementary school, and I met this person sitting to the left of me. Um, how old is Stephanie? 31. 31 years ago. Um, and I can just remember her saying to me, we're going to be friends <laughs> after like a conversation or two. And so for... I say that to you, run away. Yeah. You don't know what that means. Uh, we, um, we did women's ministries together for many, many, many years. And so being involved with women's ministry, but specifically with teaching sometimes and discipling other women, that's that's when I, I knew I had to get serious about quiet time. I could not pour into the lives of other women if I wasn't being fed myself. And so one of the things that was really invaluable to me was um, <clears throat> Gay would either give me um, a book to read through for the year that we would do together and kind of hold each other accountable, or we would read the same book together. And so really um, this relationship here really helped me become more consistent and be better at doing quiet time. Um, I think we can all agree that we don't want the perfect people on the panel. Okay. Well, let me just tell you all the things not to do when I do wrong. So. Okay, Gay, what are some creative ways you have maintained a daily quiet time in the Word and prayer during busy seasons? Hmm. Um, real quick, I've said a lot today. Um, I think sometimes we think our lives are busier and more important than they really are. Um, and I say that just, again, not to be a downer, but um, we're busy, we're active in our, you know, but in terms of, and, and Kelly hit on several of them, um, you got to look at your, look at your calendar and look at the season that you're in, look at your time, ask someone to help you. Just say, I need to figure out when, when can I, like, I remember doing this. We're just talking with other women um, and looking at, when do you, when do you spend time with, oh, I never thought of doing it. Like the bath thing is like pretty brilliant. I don't know. I just, if you're like, I need my 15 minutes, like that just, that works. And so for me, um, it was, and I can't even remember the content I was telling Darcy. I don't remember the content of when, what I would, when I, early on as a believer, but I do remember where I sat. I do remember, I am an early morning person, but I do remember just, um, and it was 10 minutes, it was 15 minutes, it wasn't like hours. So don't be, you know, um, we would have been here for several sessions to talk about all of the different kind of misnomers. This doesn't have to be an hour and a half, but it needs to be every day. And so that's what I would do. I would just try to find different places. I'm not a night person. Some people say, oh, I meet with Jesus at night. I meet with my pillow at night. So I do not do nighttime. Um, but I did do, I remember having my quiet time in my car. There were times where I would just, I worked when my kids got to be just when they were little and I, would, I was still working in education. And I remember going to school and, and my kids would go to, and I would sit in my car for 15 minutes. Hmm, you know? Um, so there's different, yeah, I just think you need to look at your schedule. Look at your schedule and see where those pockets are. But I'm going to say the same thing that Terry, look at other people and say, hey, you're four years older than me. What did you do when your kids were this age? Well, just to ask each other about those creative things. So, yeah. Thank you. I love that. So I, I want to address this to you too, Gay. Um, what about dry seasons? Have you had dry seasons? And how do you handle that? Yeah. I don't, 
Did I say that's such a weird word? Um, life's not about feelings. I'm not super warm and fuzzy. Um, that's probably what makes me a good high school administrator. Um, but meaning, um, it doesn't, whether or not you feel like it, my answer to the question is just do it. My answer to the question is, um, what if I don't want to spend time, I don't want to read my Bible, just do it. That's why I spent so much time on the why this morning. Here's the benefit of meeting with Jesus. So go back to the why, oh, this is what this is going to help me do. Look at your little people and say, God, motivate me. Motivate me by looking at them. They need a mommy who walks with Jesus. So um, during dry times, again, I'm a big fan of fellowship. I'm a big fan of talking with another woman and saying, I'm struggling, will you pray for me? But I will tell you right now, if you will purpose and just say, the last thing I feel like doing is reading my Bible, and you'll say, I, but I'm, I'm going to do it, it'll take this long. It'll take that long. The other thing is don't skip church. Don't skip church. If you miss church, we have this great thing called, I don't know, a recording of some kind where you can just go and listen to it. Like, don't skip it. Keep that teaching coming. I think that is the quickest way to get out of a season of dryness. And the other question I would ask you is, why is it dry? The answer to the question, most of the time we're in sin. Sorry, I feel like a downer. But that's just the truth, because typically we struggle because we've gotten out of habits. That's so funny. Like, you went on this awesome thing, an anniversary trip, and came back wrecked. Like, oh, darn, i got to figure out how to get back to my time with Jesus. Isn't that funny? Just that something good even can tip us over in there. Thank you. Okay, um, back to Kelly. Uh, do, you, do you have some specific studies which have helped you stay in the Word since having little ones? Um. I would also say, like Gay said earlier, be careful what you read. There's so much out there, even in Christian culture, um, where you're like, no, actually, they're a progressive Christian or universalist. Like, yeah, we probably shouldn't be quoting them or reading them, you know. Just be careful. And I, we're at a good church, you guys. We're, you guys are amazing. Every woman I've met at this church is so solid and grounded, but just to be careful. Um, my favorite so far is what Gay turned me on to earlier in the year, the Bible recap. Um, at the time I had been, I, I knew in January I wanted to start reading in Genesis and I wanted to kind of chronologically go through the Bible because that's how I want to teach my kids. And so I was like, okay, but I would get stuck and I was doing it by myself. And I was like, I get really discouraged. I'm like, yay, Abraham. And then, and then, you know, I was kind of, I am very emotional. And so I was very much feeling my way through scripture. I think maybe too much. I needed a structured plan. And so when I met with Gay, I was stuck in like Genesis 32 and, um, she's like, Kelly, just start where you're at. And you can go on thebiblerecap.com. It's a great place to start. Anybody re do Bible recap? Yes. Yes, it's recap. so good, you guys. I think it's good all the time, but we our time is limited. And so um, as moms with our time, it, it has been so helpful. You literally print out a plan. It's so worth print it out. Keep it in, I keep it in my Bible. And you can cross off every day that you finish. So you, it gives you a Bible reading plan. I just started where I was, which I was like three months behind because we met in March. And so I just started in Genesis 32. So I'm 100 days behind still, but I'll eventually get there. You know, <laughs> I do one day at a time, sometimes two. Um, you print out the Bible reading plan, you read through the chapters for the day, and then there's a podcast. So download the Bible Recap podcast and play it for the day. It's anywhere between five and eight minutes long. Like nine minutes is like the most she's ever recorded. And it essentially 
um, again, before I started doing Bible recap, I was like going through the Blue Letter Bible, which is really helpful, good resource for like concordance and thesaurus, all the, not thesaurus, but dictionary, all kinds of good help there, but I needed something more structured. And so rather than the Blue Letter Bible commentaries, plus, you know, whatever commentaries I had laying around, um, it was all in one resource. And that was really, really helpful. And it has kept me on track. Um, And so you play the podcast for the day that goes along with the scripture you read. And it's like sitting with all this wisdom and all these commentaries, but like the highlights all in one short podcast. And if you're in a hurry, because you kind of like didn't, you can put it on one point quarter time speed or two speed if Tara's talking a little slow. Tara talks fast, but still. And you know what I love about Tara? She focuses on God. She, it's not about like self-help and like three, three steps to a better life. You know, it's like what we need, which is the truth of who God is, like the who. Like she was, Gay was talking about in her message, like it can be so easy to get caught up in the hows and all the practicals, but we need to see the majesty, the splendor, the holiness and the goodness of our God because um, we're in the thick of it. <laughs> we're in the thick of it and we're tired, but he restores our soul, like Gay was saying. Risen motherhood, the, everything I'm saying is already on here, of course. I am a total book geek. I love book lists. And this is, I was so excited when I saw this at my table. I'm like, oh, yay. Um, but Risen Motherhood is another good one. They have an abide resource. You could, it's like a free printable. You can go on there. Instagram is so good. If you're going to spend time on social media, make sure you're looking at good stuff. Risen Motherhood, they have the abide method. You can click on the link through their Instagram page or go on the uh, risenmotherhood.com and they have the abide method. It sort of just walks you through how to study the Bible on your own or with a friend, prayer, journaling, and how to memorize scripture, how to think about the context. The Bible project is also really good for context. I, again, I can be a little too emotional sometimes. And so context is helpful. Like a plan and context helps me stay on track. Um, Bible project is great for overviews of books. Yeah, those are the practical things that help That's great. Thanks. And you answered my next question, which was about technology and how you're using it. And so, which is great because we're old. <laughs> we don't know a lot about technology. So, I don't know. Gay does because she works with. No, because I kids. work with Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Terry, what are some practical ways to incorporate time in the Word and prayer when you have small kids, which we have talked about, but maybe you have some other things that you can suggest? And how about suggestions of training kids while you have your quiet time? Again, this is not... uh, I'm having to give examples from my daughter mostly and other young moms because I didn't do any of this. Um, But... um, you could do like Susanna Wesley did. You know, she had 19, she birthed 19 children, 10 survived. She would, and you know, and back whenever that was, eight, late 1800s, they didn't live in big houses where she could go to a separate room to do her quiet time. So she would just sit and pull her apron up over her head. <laughs> and her children would know that she was praying at that time and you didn't disturb mommy. I, we don't really wear aprons now, so that probably isn't going to work too well for you. But I I know you've all used the bathroom before. <laughs> Go in there and shut the door. Even though the little fingers are coming underneath the door, that could, that could work. Um, I would say one thing that I do um, is I do podcasts as well. Um, I, I'm sure all, well... Maybe you have goals to work out or, you know, exercise. Um, I walk. And so when I'm walking, I listen to a podcast. Um, 
my favorite, two of my favorites are Revive Our Hearts, which is Nancy Lee DeMoss's um, podcast. Everything she does is excellent. She wrote Lies Women Believe. That kind of um, gives you a reference. But another one I liked, and they, she just started doing it, is Ruth Jo Simons. Um, I love her books, uh, mostly because they're just beautiful illustrations. She's done three, and she just did an Advent one that I just ordered I'm really excited about. But she just started doing a um, podcast called Grace Laced. And hers especially is geared towards moms, uh, moms that are of young children, but also moms of teenagers. So um, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, you know, if you're vacuuming, maybe cleaning house, um, when your kids are down for a nap, that would be an easy way. It's not, I, that's not your quiet time necessarily, but it's another way to get um, input from the word. Um, I just, uh, again, <laughs> I know how Tawny runs her house, and we talked about it at our table. Um, I, uh, she probably gets up at like 5.30. Her kids aren't allowed to come downstairs until seven o'clock. Um, she started training them early with that. Um, I'm not quite sure, but I can guess as to how she did that training. Uh, probably involved a wisdom whacker at some point. <laughs> I'm laughing because I have this other little mom, Abby, who used to work with us, who has twin two-year-olds, and she's pregnant with her third, and she, she doesn't live here anymore, but she was posting on Instagram, just, she's like, she's showing pictures of her two girls in their room at nap time, you know, wreaking havoc, just playing, and then at night, they're getting up six and seven times a night, and she's like, anybody have any suggestions about what I should do? <laughs> so I just kind of, I just instant messenger, and I said, um, I'm guessing that spanking's off the table? And she said, well, we want to save that for the really big defiant moments. And I'm like, do you tell them not to get up when they're in their rooms? And she's like, yes. And I'm like, that kind of sounds like defiance to me. <laughs> That's all I said. <laughs> but um, the other thing that I think is pretty brilliant, um, especially if you've got school-age kids, is that, and Tawny's kids are... So they can't come out of their room till seven, but because she has laid their clothes out the night before, when they come downstairs, they're already dressed and ready to go. And I reap the benefit of that. Uh, and they've made their beds. That's like amazing to me. I didn't do any of that. Tani was not trained that way. Thank goodness for FBC and other mentor moms in her life. Because I reaped the benefit of that the other day. I had all of them at my house spending the night and after they'd all gotten up, I thought, oh, I better go up and, you know, make the beds. And I'm like, the beds are all made. Even the little um, porta crib where Presley was sleeping, somebody had made that bed. I'm like, wow. So we talked about this in our scenario at our table. Um, you have to train your kids. It's up to you to train them when they can get up. And if they're getting up early and interrupting you during your quiet time, that, that's kind of a matter of training and discipline. So. Yes, she needs to add. I want to add one thing, just because we have so many new moms here, and I've only been doing this for a year, but a lot of you guys who have been here know this, but those of you who are new, um, I think Beth Pleznik is the one who said this, but uh, she encouraged me, specifically when I was training my three-year-old to stay in his room, was I just had my quiet time outside his door because I knew he was going to wake up during it, and I sat there with Wisdom Worker, we call it the no-no stick, 
and I had my nono stick and my tea and my Bible. And I probably spent like a good few weeks having my quiet time at Luke's door because I knew, and he's defiant. And so I knew it was going to take long. My older one, he kind of fell into line, like, yeah, I'll make my bed. I'll get dressed. But the little one was like, oh, this is going to be long and it's going to be hard. And at one point I went to Beth and I was like, Beth is like two and a half weeks, like too long to have been doing this. I'm he's getting like two or three spankings a morning. And she's like, Kelly, I sat at the bedroom door of one of my kids for over 12 months. And I was just like, okay, okay. You know, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, girls. Like, we can do this. I was like, okay, thank you, Beth. Um, someone at our table, two people at our table, this is brilliant. You probably all know about it. But there's a nightlight that has like a red and a yellow and a green. And so um, Audrey said, red, stay in bed. I don't know what, I don't know what you could rhyme with green, but you kind of can just set, I guess, set it on a timer so that they know when they can come out of their room. That's a great idea. Yes, my daughter-in-law has one of those. So <laughs> we, in our day, took the magic marker and marked where the 12 was and where the seven was. And when the hands lined up, they could come out. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Terry, I love that. I do have a question for you. I want to ask you. Okay, so I have a lot of prep for my Bible study. And so I want to know if um, I can consider that part of my quiet time. No. <laughs> and I have been in this boat as well. Um, the purpose of quiet time, as Gay so eloquently told us, is to spend time with the Lord and worship him. Um, when you're prepping to teach something, I, you could be worshiping at that time, but that's not the main focus of what you're doing. And so it's tempting because prepping for Bible study does take time that you have to set aside. And so trying to swap it out might be tempting, but it's not the same thing. So, no. Thank you. That's perfect. Okay. Can Yay. I say something before yes. you, before Go you for just it. about that? Real quick. Because um, I think it's... I would agree, but I would say, I learned this from my brother. My brother was a pastor, and he said something that was really helpful for me. He said he differentiated between private, like private time with the Lord, and public. And I thought, it was really insightful for a pastor. He's like, gay. Hey, I spend so much time in public preparation as a pastor that if I didn't have private time where I am dealing with the Lord with me, I, does that make sense? And I don't even know necessarily with teaching in a Bible study, but I'm even, even being a part of a small group. Like you're kind of working through questions and all of that, and studying the word is awesome, but it doesn't quite address the same motivation. Do you guys follow what I'm saying? So I think that's kind of what she's, what she's saying. But I really appreciate that about, yeah, about someone who's in ministry. Yeah. And I think too, um, when you're getting ready to teach, you know, you really have to have your heart right before the Lord, like you were talking about, too, in confession and making sure that you're right before the Lord or, you know, yeah. how can you... And Terry said the same thing. Like, she realized, oh, if I'm going to pour into other people, I better be, you know, getting fed myself. So so that's really good. Um, Gay, can you give us... You, which you did in your talk. So um, maybe I'll skip through that and ask you, um, 
Um, so we've been talking a lot about podcasts mm -hmm. and listening to audios of scripture. So would you consider this a quiet time? What maybe, what is the purpose? And um, we did talk about choosing good podcasts, but can you give maybe some guidance on how to do that? Yeah, again, and you guys remember, there aren't any rules. Like, we're, just, we're such rule followers, right? Like, oh, I can't use my Bible set. Oh, I can't. Like, just set it aside. And I'm a rule follower. Not as much as Michelle, but I'm a rule follower. And so I get, I get, so the questions make sense to me. But here's what I want to encourage you. I think this idea of, um, are you relying extensively, I might even say exclusively, on somebody else's study of the word? where you study, Pastor Chris studies, and Pastor Chris tells me, woo, okay, that's great, but that's not me digging into scripture and interacting with the God of scripture. Back to the Bible recap, um, and I'm happy, buy me coffee, I'll explain the whole thing to you. It, the thing I love about Tara Lee Cobble, um, I'm gonna call her one of these days, but I, one of the things I love about her is she, every time she's talking about reading scripture, she's talking about where do you see God in that passage? Where do you see God moving? Where do you see the character of God? And so I say all of that to answer your question. Oftentimes when we're listening to a podcast, we're, we're, being, we're being prompted to think about issues or think about scenarios or things about ourselves. But I, I don't know that it fulfills the purpose of a quiet time, where the purpose of a quiet time is to sit at the feet of Jesus. And I do that primarily through the word. I need a little help, so I read a devotional to kind of get me there. But, so I don't know if that answers the question, but podcasts are fantastic. Two, if you, and they've mentioned Summers, motherhood is awesome. Um, Nancy Lee DeMoss, if you're not listening to Revive Our Hearts, you're just missing, I'm just telling you right now, Nancy Lee DeMoss, in my opinion, the single best Bible teacher right now that you can listen to, consistently. Um, I never have to worry about recommending anything she's gonna talk about. But, and the other one um, is, they've just recently collected um, the teachings and the speaking of Elizabeth Elliot. Obviously, I love Elizabeth Elliot. So if you, she has a podcast, and it's um, Gateway to Joy. Gateway to Joy finished. And guess who picked up the mantle? Nancy Lee DeMoss. So not the same podcast, but it was a transition as Elizabeth was moving out of that, and Nancy picked that up. And so um, some really cool, oh, I don't know, just funny, because we're old, so we love Elizabeth, you know? Um, she's older than we are, but um, she's dead now. <laughs> she's with Jesus. Um, but anyway, so to answer the question about podcasts, I think podcasts are awesome. Podcasts can lead you astray. Um, don't get me started on political podcasts and all of those different things. I have super strong opinions, but because they're distracting, and I think Ali Bestucki's hysterical, but don't have a quiet time with Ali Bestucki. Like, that doesn't make sense, right? And she would say to you, stop it. Like, she that's not what the role she wants to play. So I would say, be mindful of how to use them. I love putting them on the background um, is a great way to do it. Thank you.